It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time to sparkle. Welcome, citizens of Sparkle Town. This is Klaus Heidi, your deputy mayor, speaking. Sparkle Town is a municipality that intersects and overlaps with the city of Berlin. It is ruled by the Contessa. And its citizens are anyone who is uh, adventurous, open-minded, inclusive... And fantastic! Sorry, I blew it, didn't I? Yeah, you're supposed to say fabulous. Um, anyway, that's that's what she was supposed to say. Oops. You heard the Contessa. <laughs> this is episode three, and it's our most requested interview, Olympia Bukakis. So you can't really be spending all that money on your wigs when you need to spend it on food. Or booze. Yes, indeed, our most requested interview, and that is 100% true because we've had one request, and that was uh, Olympia Bukakis. We posted uh, about this on the, um, I think it was the Berlin subreddit or it was the RuPaul subreddit where somebody said, please, please, please interview Olympia Bukakis. I saw her at Glastonbury, and she's amazing. And so I was uh, happy to be able to say that, um, yeah, she's coming up because we had already recorded the interview. Mm-hmm. We had. One of the things we're going to find out about Olympia today is that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Indeed. That is uh, very true. Uh, Olympia Bukakis, for those of you who don't uh, know her, is a very uh, intellectual and uh, political queen. Uh, this is somebody who does uh, stuff that manages to kind of bridge uh, both drag and performance art and uh conceptual art in a way that I think is, yeah, amazing, like I said. And she's a hell of a social worker, too. Oh, yeah, no, this is somebody who is very active, does a lot of uh, good for the community overall. So, yeah, this is uh, uh, quite a good person to interview. And this is actually, this is the first uh, bumper. This is called the bumper where we talk here. The first bumper we have done uh, since the show has gone live, or the show, the podcast, since we got, got up on iTunes, got up online. Yeah, because we wanted to prep the first two, like, really fast. Yeah, and we're trying to get this out in the first week. And I'm uh, still running on excitement here. Yes, it's it's still, um, yeah, it, it's still uh, very exciting. Uh, we have uh, had a toast in some sort of uh, fizzy, bubbly thing. Yeah, mine was Coca-Cola. We won't discuss that. Hi, what's your name? Hi, my name is uh, Olympia Bukakis. I'm oh. the Queen of Heaven and of the Earth, Empress of Despair, and Architect of Your Eternal Suffering. Oh my goodness. I'm going to need that written down one day. I can write it down That's for you. That's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Where <laughs> are you from? Stone. Uh, I'm, uh, I ascended originally in prehistoric Mesopotamia, although at the time we called it Mesopotamia. Um, the, the host body that I'm currently possessing uh, is from rural Australia, a small town called Sale. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's one I had not heard of. Mm -hmm. Where yeah. is that? Uh, that is three and a half hours east of Melbourne, which is kind of in the southeast of uh, Australia. Wait a minute, isn't Melbourne on a coast? Yeah, Melbourne is on a coast. So, like, so you're going east from Melbourne, but it's on the bottom. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> so it's not quite in the in the Tasman Sea. Um, so it's further along the coast, oh, okay. um, except not actually on the coast. So it's kind of like, yeah. It's almost nice in several different ways, but not nice in any of them. How did you start doing drag in Berlin? Well, I started performing um, in Melbourne. And then I think I was like while I was uh, doing a degree and then 
after I finished the degree, I just decided that I wanted to move to Berlin. Lots of my friends had traveled through Berlin and they said that, that I would just really enjoy it, that there was uh, like there was like all of the cliches it's like a fun free sort of life and all of this sort of stuff and then I learned German and saved up money for a year and a half and then I arrived and uh, knew straight away that I'd made the right decision and so then I was here for like nine months establishing my life and then I did this ridiculous performance in this I think it's an abandoned Soviet rocket base uh, an hour and a half out of Berlin was my first performance in Berlin and it was some art like a event thing and I did this terrible thing about the search for God where I came out with like barbed wire around my genitals and around my head with flames painted on my stomach to that song like My Dick. I can't even remember. <laughs> it's about, it was terrible. Uh, it's a strange beginning. <laughs> How did you get the drag name? Um, Olympia Bukakis. Uh, Olympia Dukakis is um, uh, the Academy Award winning actress. And I saw her in Steel Magnolias, which I loved. And then I was lying in bed because my first drag name was actually, well, I had three. So my first name that I started to use when I was going out in drag was Babs because uh, when I was little, I said that I wanted to grow up to be a woman called Barbara so I could wear pretty dresses. And so then Babs was the name. And then when I started to perform, it was Mummy Complex because I was reading a lot of Freud at the time. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so then, but I kind of wanted to get rid of that because like when you're, when you're like a 23-year-old queen introducing yourself to a 55-year-old queen who may, might be territorial or whatever, being like, hi, call me mum. Like, she's not going to like that. So, um then uh, we were just like playing around with different names. One night I was lying in bed next to a friend and then I said Olympia Bukakis and then we both started laughing and we couldn't stop laughing and so kept it. <laughs> How long have you been doing drag? Um, well, like I said, 6,000 years. But you, like, uh, like professionally, um, I think I've been doing it since 2009. So that is like, it's 2017 now. So that's, is that eight? Years? No, okay. that's nine years. Oh, wait, eight Nine years. Eight. That's eight years. Eight years, That's eight yeah. years. That's eight yeah. years as a professional. Yeah, so before that, I would go to lots of house parties. Uh, there's a lot of house parties in Melbourne and would dress up and there would be house, uh, like dress-up themes. Um, and so it would be like sci-fi parties. So I'd go as some sort of like slutty robot or something like that. And then I would do that with a friend who later was Godzilla. So we were Godzilla and Mummy Complex. And so um, that was... We just started like going to all different parties dressed up like that. And then one day someone asked me to do a performance and I was like, I'm not doing it alone. Drag Godzilla on stage and we did this thing. And then since then, actually, like just after that, we started our own uh, party because there was no real alternative drag scene in Melbourne at the time. And so we wanted to have gigs. So we gave them to ourselves and to our friends. So we started a party called Pandora's Box, which was like an alternative drag party, but like with a very loose interpretation of drag. Berlin seems to have a very loose interpretation of drag. Yes. I come from America, mm -hmm. and so the drag that I grew up with is indeed RuPaul, mm -hmm. uh, Lady Bunny, and anyone mm -hmm. who happened to show up on a television show from time to time. My first memory of drag is from Tony Curtis, uh, Some Like It Hot. And I, yeah, I asked yeah, yeah. my dad, Yeah. Where did those girls come from? And he mm -hmm. said, honey, those are the boys that have been there in, in the mm -hmm. show already. Yeah. They just, oh, they just like girls now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but my understanding of drag is the classic go out and look like a beautiful woman mm -hmm. and walk a stage, perhaps a lip sync. Mm -hmm. This is not Berlin. 
drag? <laughs> well, it depends. I think it's because um, I think often, <laughs> like, I don't set out to do like a strange or, or weird kind of drag, but it's like I dress up as the woman that I want to be. And the women that I think are really beautiful are these weirdos with shaved heads or like, or dressed in these like really strange sort of like rags and all of this sort of stuff. So, um, and because I think there's, there's obviously limitations. I'm not intra- uh, like, I'm not into talking about Berlin as like this uh, utopia. I had an argument with someone at a party on, um, on the weekend, but there are actually like, there's, there is more room than in other places for different kinds of beauty or different kinds of aesthetics that people are aspiring towards. That, that seems to be a norm here in Berlin, where it does not seem to be in quite a few other cities on this planet. Yeah, totally. The, the, like the standard drag look here is like even like the more sort of like conventional looking drag um, performers still look pretty trashy. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Uh, I was looking at, I was uh, like, I'm going to keep it very general and very diplomatic and vague, but I was watching something that someone had done uh, recently, like a drag performer in Berlin who would be more like, no, standard, pretty sort of queen. And I was like, she's still a mess. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have been doing drag for, you're, you are not a drag toddler, and we have quite a no. few of those here in no. Berlin. <laughs> what have you learned about yourself doing drag? Oh, wow, that's um, a lot, because I, I think, because what I do is drag. I, if, like, other aspects of my life are sort of, like, the legs of the tripod that prop up the important stuff. So like when I'm working in a cafe or, or whatever, I just actually quit my cafe job so that I can work full time in this like, um, on this dance thing. So it's like my life is literally just performing at the moment, which is super nice. And so um, kind of everything that I've learned about myself has, ins- has had something to do with drag. I think the biggest thing is that drag has allowed me access to a gender that I wouldn't have otherwise because I don't uh, like I've always sat very uncomfortably with the masculinity that's been sort of like um, like forced on me um, since I was born and other non-normative gender narratives didn't necessarily fit so well like drag always felt like for me like a way for me to experience to experience and express and explore my like transness in a way so I think drag has taught me that I'm not actually dressing up. Hmm. I feel like that we're never, so like we're all always putting in a lot of effort. Like there's a lot of effort to like pull, um, like to pull yourself together to be one person. And drag is kind of a relaxing of that. So I've, I've never really been so good at like, um, you know, like when someone out of the blue asks you, oh, are you the kind of person who always does this? And then you think, and then for me, it's always a blank because it's like I try and pull that together. I'm like, I have no idea. Maybe I have a poor sense of self. I'm told that like people who learn to be funny when they were young um, often have a poor sense of self. <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, oh, oh that's dear. a bit familiar. Um, so identity is the thing that you're doing. It's a process. And the process like goes through different sort of phases. So being Taylor or being Olympia or being like whatever is like a certain phase that you might be in that moment. It's kind of it's fluid to use a very... Okay, that fluidity. When you are preparing for a show, at what point are you Olympia and Mm. no longer Taylor? It's very porous boundary for me, I think. There are people who will call me Taylor even when I'm in drag, and there are people who call me Olympia when I'm out of drag. But for me, like, the process of doing makeup is... That's a process of going from 
tailor to Olympia, which is like going from a person who interacts with other people in a more sort of like normal way to a person who interacts with people as a performer to an audience. So because like this is a big thing about drag is that when you're off the stage, you're still on the stage because you're expected to be like providing this lubricant to a social situation and like be charming and funny. Yeah. You're always on as soon as that makeup is on. Exactly. Yeah. Which can be really nice because when the person that you are without makeup is going through a bit of a rough time, like a rough day or rough week or whatever, then the person with the makeup is not necessarily having the same time. And that's really lovely. You can like, you can take a break from yourself or like what other people want from you. I think I also wanted like to add to like another thing that drag taught me is solidarity. This is this principle that reaching out uh, to other people and supporting like mutual bonds of support that like strengthen a group of people. Drag has really taught me that as well because there's this cliche of this catty sort of bitchy sort of behavior of uh, drag queens, and like in a lot of cases that's true. But in the places in the scenes that I've been involved in and the scenes that I've been enjoyed being uh, involved in there's always been this element of lifting each other up like a mutual bond of support because we have so many enemies um, it makes no sense if we're fighting against each other and that is a, like something that I've really noticed in, in the good drag scenes that I've been involved in so to digress <laughs> that's okay because that digression just did a lovely little segue for me mm -hmm. You have been on stage with the House of Presents. Mm -hmm. You have been on stage on a solo show at Ludwig. Mm -hmm. And I know of one um, streaming thing that was done with Cheryl. Mm -hmm. So, And you are also helping with the Queens Against Borders. Mm -hmm. So you're not just part of one house or it's only Olympia. You're working with everybody in Berlin. Yeah, I do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> How did that get started? Is I think it's an ex like it's um, it's a continuation of that thing that, that started in 2009 of me, me giving myself my own gigs. This is what's um, for me quite precious about performing with the House of Presence. Uh, uh, House of Presents. It's very rare that I step into a scene and feel at home and comfortable and and supported and able to give support. But that uh, that's a that's a scene which I feel really comfortable doing that in. So like Apocalypse Tonight, which is the live streamed talk show to uh, for the end times I do with Cheryl and Queens Against Borders, and um, I do at Ludwig. I also do Fancy, and I'm also restarting my my baby project Get Fucked soon. So, like, those are all things that I organize. So this is what's nice about performing with the House of Presence. I show up, I get on stage, I do a number, and then I get off the stage. But, yeah, I do, I do a lot of organizing and hosting of events as well. I am so glad you brought up Get Fucked. <laughs> I really am. All roads lead to Get Fucked. <laughs> oh, boy, do they ever. <laughs> Would you please, for those who have not yet heard you on a stage mm -hmm. and for those who may hear this podcast before they get to see you on a stage you poor people oh my goodness <laughs> you don't know what you're missing please explain why get fucked well i think get fucked there's a lot of reasons behind get fucked where i'm from or where my host body is from see i'm getting worse and worse at keeping up the charade uh, but that's kind of like my that's my practice <laughs> it's like falling to falling apart in the right ways so um where i'm from in australia there's like get fucked uh, has has uh, 
triple meaning, it's a triad. The first meaning would be to take into oneself the body of another. So it's sort of like this holy communion. And then the second meaning would be to ascend to a higher plane of existence with the help of some sort of holy sacrament. And then uh, the third meaning would be an invitation to someone to either remove themselves or to evolve to a higher level. So there's, there's a triple meaning. And so I think get fucked is when I... Um, it's a, it's a like no matter what what life or like the social or political or economic situation is throwing at you, get fucked is very often a good response to have. It uh, nourishes you in the dark times, and so this uh, get fucked is a queer performance night. I expanded it beyond drag because I felt I realized that there's some people who don't feel comfortable performing under a drag label, and so I wanted it to be as broad as possible and to, like to be building as many bridges between as many different places as possible. What else would you like to do besides drag? Hmm. There's lots of things that I would like to do in drag, but like besides drag, mm, no, I think drag is the mode that I would like to do everything in. So even when I'm working on performances or, or like that are like not necessarily drag, it always comes back to like drag techniques, doing something wrong in some way or queering something or, or, or whatever. As much as I like get sick of queer, queer theory, it always, all roads lead to Butler. So I, I think there's a lot of stuff that I want to do, but I want to do it all in drag. Yeah. That brings me to another question. Would you explain drag adjacent, please? Drag adjacent is really interesting. I only heard, I heard Pansy use this term recently and I love it. It's it's, it sounds best coming from uh, Pansy, Pansy's mouth, which is like drag adjacent. Uh, I cannot do that accent at all. Um, but um, I really like it. I think it's like it's got a lot of queer potential, this term, like this thing that's like not necessarily what you would expect with drag, but just next door. But like whenever you're um, it's, it's related to these bridges that I was talking about. So like you're stepping if you're stepping outside of drag, but like you still smell like drag or something like that, you know. So the, the, the first guest that we had in Pandora's Box in 2009 in Melbourne was a pair of uh, people dressed up as French hunchbacked poodles on roller skates who were like like throwing bags of poo at each other and we were like drag love it but having heard this term drag adjacent I would say that yeah maybe that's a bit drag adjacent <laughs> there were no wigs involved <laughs> you don't always wear a wig either no I've seen Olympia in a hoodie yeah <laughs> yeah I'm a big fan of like the, of the like the hood or the veil yeah it's um it's I think because I do drag so much, I kind of want it to be as comfortable as possible. Does but that go back to the idea of the, the woman that you want to be and your beauty aesthetic is sometimes it's the bald one? Yeah, totally. I really like the shape of my head and I'm interested in ways that you can create a drag aesthetic that aren't necessarily to do with traditional ideas of feminine beauty and for example whenever I see any sort of woman with a shaved head I'm always like that is such a good look like especially when like cause so many feminine garments have these sort of dramatic lines to them or like these like they you know a dress is a lot longer than, sh than a t-shirt for example um, or something like that and then if you have all of that coming from a sort of really plain unadorned head it can look really striking so 
Yeah, that's where my fascination with the bald head comes in. And also, I have a shaved head when I'm out of drag. And it's a very cheap wig, nothing. Okay, so we know what Olympia's not spending her money on. <laughs> this is what people say drag is an expensive hobby. And it's like, yeah, it can be. But also, like, at different times, I've relied on drag to sort of bring, like, to be my food. Be spending all that money on your wigs when you need to spend it on food. Or booze, yeah. <laughs> you were talking about creating your own gigs. Mm -hmm. Now, is there a way, do you have a manager now that you're here in Berlin, or how does one book Olympia? Uh, someone can get uh, in touch uh, via email. My email is olympiabukakis at gmail.com. I am uh, my own manager. I'm the manager I want to see in the world. And yeah, that's the best way to get in touch. Is there any type of booking that you would prefer to stay away from? Hmm. Um, I like to do, actually, I'm not sure. It depends. Like every sort of idea, I'm very sort of reactive. So like someone proposes a gig and then I think, okay, well then how would Olympia do this gig? So it really depends. I'm not necessarily um, this uh, sort of very like easy, good time uh, gal when someone's like, I want you to come and like do this thing at our party where you're really compliant and nice. It's like, well, I'll spice it up a bit. So <laughs> yeah, but I think... I'd have to know first. I have to get the details first. If you want to know a little bit more about the gig before you say yes, mm -hmm. you have a political side. Mm -hmm. Get fucked, for instance. <laughs> what burns you for politics? Hmm. I think I just get something that really upsets me is uh, um, the mediocrity of dominance. For example, and this is like a, a sort of clear example when uh, Paris Hilton went on Letterman uh, years and years ago um, and he was being really sleazy to her and being really sort of like just really sexist and really um, but then also his jokes weren't funny at all and she was acting with such class and he was calling her dumb and all of this stuff and she was responding with such class and dignity but the audience was on his side I think this is what sort of really burns me is that like when people um, like obviously I'm always for the underdog but um, the way that those in power can just they just really can let themselves go in a way that the people that they're stepping on really never get allowed to and that that is that what that's what grinds my gears in the immortal words of Cheryl I'm aware that you are also working with the Queens Against Borders mm -hmm. talk to us about that group please so that was the thing that started as a fundraiser for the drop-in center that the Schwulenberatung was doing for um, queer refuge queer and trans refugees in uh, Berlin and then that has sort of evolved um, I now organize that with Diva Maggie who is a wonderful uh, performer and uh, artist and activist from Beirut and we do uh, like this sort of like party in solidarity with trans uh, and queer people of a refugee background in Berlin. Half of the performers have a refugee background and the other half don't. Um, and all of the money goes to those. And uh, so all of the performers with a no with, who don't have a refugee background donate their time and their, their works. And then we involve as many people, uh, like as many refugees as possible in uh, the process, like doing the photo shoot and all of this sort of stuff. And our aim is to build bridges in between those communities, between uh, people who are potentially staying at the refugee ho uh, the queer refugee home in, in Berlin and those um, like other queers on the scene. And it's a platform for trans and queer refugees to show like what they're bringing to the city. There's some really fucking amazing performances um, that they bring and the atmosphere is amazing. Yeah, I just said amazing twice, but it is amazing. <laughs> 
I would like to give a very special thank you to Olympia Bukakis for allowing the host body that she inhabits here on Earth to come and sit with us for a while. Thank you, Olympia. Yes, thank you indeed, and thank you for all the work that you do all over the uh, Berlin Dragon queer scene and for just being uh, a great performer. So what's coming up? Uh, we're releasing this on Friday. Um, well, Saturday, Friday, okay, Saturday. Okay, late in the day on Friday. All right. So it may not hit iTunes until Saturday. Okay, so what's coming up uh, this week? Uh, Saturday, Harem uh, are doing a uh, queer oriental thing at Eden Berlin. Empire Berlin, I'm sorry. Empire Berlin. I've been so lost in all the things that we we're possibly going to that I've forgotten all of them now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> Harem, Empire Berlin... Saturday. Um, I'm sure there's something else. Oh, and I was going to do another one of the mythical queen thingies. I still have this idea that I'm going to do like a, a fake queen that we didn't interview, like a, a queen that's in Sparkle Town, but not actually in Berlin. Um, and so I can come up with funny drag names and stuff. But then I come up with stuff like uh, this morning. It was one I, I came up with Yoni Mitchell. Now, that's completely unusable because, first of all, you need to know Joni Mitchell. Then you need to know that Yoni is Sanskrit for vagina. And then you need to know the Joe Don Baker movie, Mitchell. And so if I then make a joke about like the pissing on summer lawns, I mean, how many people are going to get it? Three? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's too many. Uh, yeah, yeah. Three is too many. That's too many things too many oh, to oh, have oh. to know. Yeah, too many things. Yes, yes, it is. Too much trivia. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so I'll save that one, and maybe I'll go next week with, or next episode with Slutty McSlutface. Oh, gosh. Like Sparkle. You are now departing Sparkle Town, and beware, the real world outside of Sparkle Town is uh, dark, cold, dreary, boring, and decidedly unfabulous. So be careful out there. And uh, help bring a little bit of a sparkle into the world. You can find us at Sparkle Town Podcast on Facebook and uh, Sparkle Town Podcast on Instagram where you can uh, give cheers. Also, hey, if you listen to this on iTunes, please leave a rating, um, that re review. That really helps us a lot. Thanks. Bye.